Listening to the flip side with Noah Filipiak, connecting the reality of the gospel to the grit of life. You can support the podcast at patreon.com slash Noah Filipiak or at noahfilipiak.com slash give. What is up? Welcome to episode 55 of the Flip Side Podcast. Today is an amazing day. It is a special day. It is a day that our podcast is being co-hosted with the one, the only, Chase Stancil. Oh, man. The live studio audience loves you, Chase. They are eating this up. Chase, man, welcome to the flip side. Uh, tell, th- thanks for being here, and uh, tell the tell the Flipside Nation a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Hey, what's up, Flipside Nation? Uh, my name, like Noah said, is Chase Stansel. I am 36 years old, married uh, for almost 16 years. My wife and I will celebrate our 16th anniversary in October. Uh, and um, we also have four children and a great Dane. Um, I get to serve as a lead pastor of Unison Christian Church. And uh, I am also a musician, singer, songwriter, and loving life. All right. <laughs> nice. Nice. So Chase is not a guest. He is. He is. Not a guest. Not a guest. He's. See, Chase, your family. See that? You see, like what I did right? There? See? Yes, I'm not, because I get to just like go in the refrigerator. That's right. And like... Go in the refrigerator. <laughs> walk around in your underwear. You're, yeah, you're, well, you're... No. <laughs> see, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's this is co-host life. Co-host, the first uh, ever co-host on the yes. flip side. We, Let's go. So, so <laughs> throughout the fifty-five episodes of the flip side. We had some listeners write in and demanded that the audience have a name. So, so, so oh. that the audience, you know, have have a nickname, have name. And so we did a little survey, did some brainstorming. And often, when I introduce an episode, I will I will welcome the audience as the flip uponomai. Come Portal. on, flip uponomai. Flip uponomai. Let's go, flip uponomai. So wait, would one of the would one listener be a flip eponymous? Yes, yes, one listener ah. would be a flip eponymous. So today <laughs> I have my Ninja Turtle uh, coffee mug, as you can see that uh-huh. the listeners can't see, but I I have a mug, a coffee mug. I should have used it, and it says on the mug, "I am a flip eponymous," and it's a a hippo <laughs> holding up the, a, a sign, a sign. So if uh, if any listeners want that mug. They they can they well I'll explain how to get it in a minute but what I'm saying is if you continue co-hosting with me we're gonna need to oh. modify we're gonna need to come up with the name Ooh. for the 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 flip eponymi and the uh, well I I have got nothing for the the, the chase ah. stancil ah. lights so you got ah. anything. <laughs> No, 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 no! Like I, I feel like flip. I like I like flip a part of my. So like, what you talking about? Like the listeners specifically of like of this like of our of this, podcast of this, this podcast. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We're good. We're good. <laughs> I like flip a part of my. So Look, that's great. 
we have some creative listeners, and if any come up with a you know a nickname that incorporates Chase into this, uh, you're you're welcome to let us know. You can email the show podcast at beyondthebattle.net. And if you're if you're wondering why I have a co-host now, I got tired of listening to myself. <laughs> I got tired of hearing myself talk. Oh. And, but your voice is so sultry. Uh, t- this morning, so I have a cold. <laughs> I I do not have COVID. Uh, good. I, I do have a cold. I am sucking on a cough drop as I record. So that is that is uh, not a, a good idea. Hopefully, my cough drop will remain quiet in my mouth. Last night, I slept <laughs> with cough drops in my mouth overnight. Yes. So, so that I could breathe. And so. Yes. Okay, wait. So I know that that's not the safest thing on the planet to do, but I honestly have done that, and it really does help. Even like, like as a singer, it helps oh. like to be able to breathe at night. So you have yes. to. So my wife is very safety conscious, and she tells me not to do it, and I say, you know what? I see. I'm an eight on the enneagram. I do whatever I please. And my wife is a one on the Enneagram, so she follows the rules. She she does what the rules say. She's very high as a six as well. Lots of six in my wife. So the the idea of sleeping with cough drops, in her mind, I will choke and die. And for me, uh, it is the only efficient way of breathing at night. And so as a result of this, I have a nice deep uh, bass growly gravel voice Come this on. morning so i'm ready he has the very white happening the very white morning show here with uh <laughs> chase and noah this morning and here's the thing chase has a problem he is a morning person so th- oh, this yeah. is this is the thing he is one of those people flip siders flip upon him i he is one of yep. those those people he is a morning person oh, chase yeah. enjoys the morning he is high energy. He gets so, up early. I am not one of those people. Why is that a people. problem? But wait, why is that a problem, though? <laughs> because uh, I am envious of this in you, and and when I see you, I I say, what what is wrong with that guy? Because in in the morning, I am walking around like a zombie, uh, sleepwalking, and pretty much don't talk to me before maybe 10 a.m. 10 a.m. might be about when the sun uh, starts to come out. So it is out of envy. It is out of looking at you uh, sort of like you have superpowers that that (laughs) you are able to 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 get up and be spry and joyful. Okay, wait, we that is not something I bring to the table. Are you a night person, though? I don't know if we've ever talked about that in the, you know in our year plus friendship. I don't know that we've talked about. Are you a night person? I am naturally a night person. Yes. Uh, but okay. My... Okay. Well, so you all though. So like in terms of being envious, like around nine thirty, my body really starts to shut down. Like my you know my wife will be the first to tell you like I am just I, when we first got married, I was like that angry sleepy person (laughs) like super super like sharp with my words no filter like if it isn't a yes or no question don't ask it after 9 30 and so like i have this very steep decline um or you know around around 9 30 where like i'm good for nothing (laughs) so i mean we're good it works out we're balanced Uh, we're balanced well the problem is my wife is a teacher and so for nine months out of the year 
We are on school teacher schedule, and now we have children, so naturally we're on a school schedule anyway, but prior to having children, we were on the school schedule, and so we have, and my wife is also a night person, so that works to our favor that we both both have the same ailment, uh, but we... (laughs) have to go to bed early against our will and have to have to wake up uh, early against our will. So that's oh yeah, my gosh. that's our that's our family. And also, as I mentioned, drinking from my Ninja Turtle mug that no one else can see. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, Chase, <laughs> but we we have an official real as in I'm wearing the hat. Today, my Angry Brew hat, we have an official sponsor on the flip side. So shout out to Angry nice. Brew Coffee, which I am drinking this hey. morning. And Angry Brew uh, helps me in the morning not be quite as angry. See that? See there? And so uh, <laughs> listeners know. It, it takes care of the anger for you. It, so it takes, you don't have to be angry. Exactly. It, exactly. Got it. It, 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 got takes, it. it absorbs, it absorbs the anger. Absorbs the anger, yes. And so, shout out to Angry <laughs> Brew. Very thankful for the sponsorship. And listeners can get ten percent off AngryBrew.com using the promo code FLIP. So that's pretty great. Now, Whoa. Chase, uh, the sense I get as we hang out is I'm a bit more of a coffee person than you. Would you say that that is? Do you drink coffee? How much coffee do you drink? So, so uh, well, let me. So what I are your coffee, coffee habits? Let's talk about your coffee habits. Okay, so I'm a coffee. I do like coffee. Um, my favorite thing about coffee is the smell of coffee because my parents were like super, super coffee drinkers when I was a kid. Like they would have coffee brewing literally all day. Okay. Um, so like it, it was not just the best part of waking up. It was the best part of waking up, the best part of coming home from school, the best part of going to bed <laughs> was the smell of coffee. <laughs> um, but I, uh, and, and, but in terms of like how much coffee I drink, I probably will have like a cup, you know, mm, a cup a day. Sometimes I'll have two. Um, uh, but I will say that it's more so in the afternoon and evening, right? I'm not, a, I'm a morning person, so I don't really need it in the morning, but like around two o'clock, like I would do really well in a part of the world where they have siestas. Cause that would be <laughs> my jam. Okay. Nice. Go to, go to sleep in the middle of the day. Uh, but yeah, so I drink coffee like in the middle of the day. My childhood coffee memory is during church when my parents, when I was uh, not paying attention during the service, yeah, uh, doodling or something, and my parents would lean over and and whisper to in, to my ear that I needed to pay attention to the service, and I just remember that stale uh, coffee breath smell. Yes! I, I sense that oh you, my gosh. you, you may have experienced the same. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. And there, honestly, so while I said that I enjoy the smell of coffee, mm, there are not, there are things that I enjoy more than the smell of coffee breath. Like, coffee so, breath is not the best. Coffee which, not you know, my favorite. It's, it's, it is, you know, like mint, mint smells good and mint breath yeah. smells good. Coffee smells good, but coffee mm. breath. Not, yeah, it doesn't translate. It doesn't, doesn't translate. translate. Doesn't translate. No. Yeah. Not at all. Too many bacteria. So there is <laughs> there is one thing that I thought maybe our flip upon a mic could help out with this morning. Our go- one of our goals on the flip side is to make the the world a better place. And Chase, you you and I are good friends, so we meet together weekly to pray for each other, to talk about life, and so yeah. I I feel like. 
uh, I can I can kind of confront you on certain things. Obviously, you know, oh, yeah. privately uh, with only us and the flip upon am I listening. Uh, <laughs> Wait, that's not private, bro. But I'm good. With well, okay. you know, I mean, it's all family. It's all family. Yeah. It's so we're, fa- so, we're family. So one yeah. thing we got to work on, you and I, and the flip side audience is going to help with this. I think uh, we got to up your your game. I would I would never. Uh, as a friend, talk to you about this privately to be insulting or ungrateful. But because we're doing a podcast together, it's I think <laughs> I think it's time that I that I that I point to the elephant in the room uh, at, at your church, which I visit to pray with you. You you serve. Uh, you have the Keurig, the K cup, which is you know a yeah. nice a nice way to have a quick cup of coffee. And right. Uh, you your brand of K cup is Folgers, so so th- this is where we got we got to talk about this. Well, okay, wait, 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 whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. No, that is not my brand. <laughs> okay, so this is a shared office, bro. Like there, <laughs> let's hear the excuse. Kind of people. Let's hear the rationalization. My brand is called Green Mountain. Okay. The dark roast specifically, All right. and apparently I need to check out Angry Roast. Like, well, yeah, Angry so, Brew. I don't think Angry, Angry Brew, Brew has K cups. I don't think they're. At, I don't think they're at the okay. the K uh, cup production but, level. But you can put the you can put the uh, grounds in the little reusable one. I don't. I, that's above me, man. I've never. Okay, all right. I, okay, all right, what, okay. Go ahead, question me on the Folgers, though, because because so, then we can talk about. It. So what I, so so on this show, I do a bit at the end uh, called Noah's Rant, and I rant about something in society that is wrong. Uh, today, I will be ranting on uh, Capri Sun and the little angled straw and uh, the mess that it always makes that will be that's a little sneak peek uh, on the rant for today. So, I've done oh a rant gosh. before about Folgers coffee and just how hideous uh, it is. How it, it basically is like dirt. Uh if it's like dirt ground up, uh, you know, into a cup and uh and just just I've done a whole I won't do the rant here. I'm not in a rant mode right now. Uh, no, no, I, I, I'm in my good Christian I don't mode. know, bro. Uh, but I don't know. so, but I get I, it. You know, here's the thing, Chase. Some people are are poor, and they don't have a lot of money, <laughs> and so they have so, to buy Folgers. I'm not. Mm, I'm not. I'm not going to judge somebody mm, that has. To, so, so what I thought, so, was bro. I don't know, bro. I don't that, know. I don't know. You're going too far because Folgers. Like, there's a whole saying. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. That Bruh, don't I don't be, know. Don't believe That's everything. Don't believe everything you hear on TV. Don't believe everything you hear on TV. Mm, I don't know. Uh, it's a whole slogan. So so <laughs> for a reason. Uh, I thought maybe we could do a fundraiser with the Flip Apotomai where the Flipside audience, if you send in donations, uh, we'll and, and you, you earmark it towards Unison Christian Church's K Cup fund. Uh, oh my gosh. No. We will, we will Okay, I'll that's give gonna that... be turned into donuts, by the way, y'all. Like <laughs> Okay. <we'll... laughs> no, if someone designates a fund, you legally have if someone wants a statue built of themselves, you legally have to do it. Oh, so that's true. See, so, you getting all your little nonprofit rules. Nonprofit in here. rules. So uh we what what I would like, uh, since Angry Brew doesn't make K cups, uh, flip flip upon my let's raise some money for Starbucks. Oh my god! Uh, Starbucks K cups that what? we can have. 
uh, in the uh, Unison office. We could even label the Starbucks. drawer. We could even label the drawer. Uh, no, okay. Noah's drawer. I could have my own drawer. Starbucks, bro. No, you're talking about something that tastes like dirt. Oh, don't even start, Chase. Starbucks is coal. So ground good. up. So good. <laughs> it is, it oh, is coal. So charcoal. Good. Ground up and served to you second hand. Like it's not even coffee. Nothing you say about Star Starbucks right now will even hurt my feelings because it's like oh. you're describing the sun as being hot and warm and and yellow. Yes, it, Ang whatever you say about the sun, the sun angry is a brew. It's a we, beautiful. We thing. need you. <laughs> we need angry brew. We need you to make some K cups so we can uh, so we can deliver our brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now here's a real question. Do you think it's not a real question? Um, but do you think I think coffee is like the coffee addiction outside of your parents uh, as a a sample size? At least in I think coffee. Okay, I think coffee is more of a white person addiction than a black person addiction. What do you think, culturally mm. speaking? Culturally. Um, ooh, you know what? I actually would agree. Uh, yeah, I'd agree. So, because it's not really a thing like, well, hmm, let me back up. So I'd say growing up, it wasn't as much of a thing in the um, black community. I'd say now, I'd say I, I see just as many black folks, you know, black folks with, <laughs> uh, you know, dedicated coffee mugs and, uh, you know, and and all like I, I have friends, you know, black friends who like have more than just a Keurig. They have like straight up espresso machines yeah. in their house. <laughs> so no, I feel like, you know, I feel like, look, I know our conversation today is about gentrification. <laughs> That's all part so, of it, isn't it? It's <laughs> a part of it, okay? <laughs> Starbucks is a part of it. They told, they tricked us into you believing can't... that that's what we needed, And bro. then they hooked you. <laughs> now you're hooked. <laughs> they hooked. They hooked even the black. This is like the, the war on drugs all over again, man. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, yeah, I, I would. I would say that that it, there's definitely been a a cultural shift even among blacks as it relates to coffee. So That's you, funny though that you, that you would even see that. You are <laughs> so so you're a multi uh, racial, multi ethnic, multicultural. Those worlds are all kind of synonymous to me. Multi ethnic church. Uh, yeah. I, I'm planting a multi ethnic church. So the the real question is. Do you serve coffee on Sunday mornings at church? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Yeah, very good. So when I this was back in 2012, uh, I did a sabbatical. So I was, you know, I church planted in Lansing and was was pastoring. So I took a full summer sabbatical, and every Sunday I visited a different church uh, in town in Lansing, and I think throughout my 11 or 12 Sundays I went to three churches that were african-american churches uh full, not not multi-ethnic but you know full-on yep. black churches and i can tell you this so word to the wise uh of the the 12 churches i visited oh, the, 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 nine, the nine that served coffee were white churches <laughs> and the, the three okay that did not serve coffee were black churches don't, don't you <laughs> Bring your coffee into this sanctuary. What you talking about? Some coffee at a black church? Okay, you 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 ain't bring no 
pancakes and eggs in here with you, okay? The coffee is what you drink at home, okay? You'll bring that at the black church, okay? Uh, <laughs> You're not going to need it at the black church anyway, man. Our music is so hype. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, man. So you're good. You're good. You're good. Being raised in a black church is why I'm a morning person. Dude, if, if if white people show up to church and there's no coffee, they're they're out of there. That's why white people Bruh. don't go to black churches. They they they're, they they show up and there's no coffee. And that's why, as a multi ethnic church, yep. we need coffee. That's right. That's right. <laughs> because, well, it's a part of just making sure that we all feel home. We got to provide for the drug the drug needs of the oh, prisoners man. who are coming. Oh, man. We have a little little smorgasbord. Of Oh, look, and don't let us have like a celebratory weekend, man. We have coffee, we got cookies, beignets. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. All right. So uh, you as we talked about coffee and the, the culture of coffee that it is, uh, certain, you, you mentioned gentrification. We uh, talk, You and I had a conversation, just a casual conversation within the last month or two about gentrification. It's uh, yeah. It's happening in Grand Rapids. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and you had some really insightful things to say about it. So I want to uh, take some time together to talk about it. First, I'll say this: yeah. if you, if you ever, listeners, um, if you ever want to sound smart, like really smart, just smarter than anybody in the room, just use the word gentrification. Just say it randomly. Uh, most people won't know what it means anyway. So if people are talking about the weather, just say gentrification. <laughs> And people will think you're really smart. Also, also, you better be careful with that, though, Flippopotamus. Look, Flippopotamus, you better be careful with that. We're going to educate you soon. The one person will know. The one person in the room will know. And then they'll look at you like, what? How are you going to use gentrification talking about sweet potato pie? (laughs) It will also, the second thing it will do is it will make you uh, appear extremely woke. If you use yeah, the word uh, gentrification, that is your woke card is the yes. ability to use the, the word uh, gentrification in a in a conversation. And so uh, yep. before before we get to gentrification, let me talk. Let us talk, talk quickly about Sam losing my voice because I have a cold. And I will say this. Right. I did have covid uh, back in March or so. And I did a whole podcast episode not knowing that I had covid. I had covid during the episode. Did you have and, to like mute while yes! you were like coughing? I was and, interviewing ah, somebody and I bro. kept having to mute myself and I was like coughing oh, wow. into my elbow. Um, I know this isn't COVID because my wife got tested because she's a teacher and she had to because she has it too, not COVID. And I got it from a doctor friend of mine. We were having lunch and he goes, oh yeah, sorry if I get you sick today. I just picked up this cold and it's not COVID. Okay, bruh, wait a minute. <laughs> How, wait. Dead doctor serious. doctor gave me this cold dead serious yeah all right we're not going that's a whole nother episode but, we're talking about gentrification today but, but we're so, going to talk about that in another episode bro uh, <laughs> so that might I, be my rant <laughs> <laughs> so before i started losing uh my voice a, a minute ago i i think the word woke two years ago three years ago i think was a good word uh woke is mm. is is i i felt I, I legit identified with the word back in 2008. I read the book Divided by Faith, and it woke me up. I awokened. I, I woke up to 
racial injustice all around me. Uh, now I do use the term a bit, uh, I think I'm using the word right, facetiously, a bit tongue-in-cheek. Uh, woke now, I think, has much, uh, kind of a much larger cultural connotation for white people of sort of a, a snooty, uh, I'm... I'm the I'm the woke I'm the woke one in the room, and uh, all those sorts of things. So when I say woke now, uh, I, yeah. I I I kind of um, I, I I see it as a. I, does that make sense? Do you do you see the word that way, or, or how do you see that? So word? you know what? So let me. So from a black person's perspective, right? Um, much of what, especially Western culture. So Western culture, and then speaking, you know, are probably more hyper-focused in terms of white culture um, is a very cerebral culture, like very in your head, the more you know, knowledge is respected, that kind of stuff. And it's not, and so generally speaking, there there may be a lot of woke white folks that are only cerebrally woke, but relationally, socially, emotionally, they're not at all. They're still very, very distant. And so all of the most minority cultures tend to kind of be um, be much more, you know, emotive and a much more um, uh, and much more communal. And so so when I think about the word woke, I think there are really two different spaces. There is this individual who has a bunch of like they can use the word gentrification, (laughs) but they have no community in which uh, that actually has any, you know, I guess space of connectedness in their life. You know, it doesn't go anywhere deeper than their life, than their use of the word. Um, And then there are folks who actually allow themselves to be marinated in cultures that are separate from theirs. And then they, they allow themselves to be fully woke. So they're not Mm. just like, you know, they're not sleepwalking. <laughs> That's yeah. what my wife and I. My wife and I will like will laugh about that. Like you know, they think they woke, but really they just sleepwalk. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. That's a good metaphor. No, and 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 that's what I'm what I'm getting at. As uh, you know, in these kind of white circles and these white conversations, I think it's so, so. For one, let me say it's okay if you're at the point of your journey where you're in the the reading stage and the education yeah. stage and the conversation stage. Uh, that's the beginning of of the journey, but there's this feeling that can come to a white person that now that I've read Ibram X Kendi, or now that I you know <laughs> I bought a Black Lives Matter T-shirt or something, uh, that that I, I I'm woke in the sense that for one I, I think it, it 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 for for some white folks it can give the feeling like I'm no longer part of the problem like I'm I'm, I'm no longer I'm different I'm, I'm, I'm no longer contributing to I don't have to work on my own stuff anymore because because yeah. now I'm I, I'm I'm an okay you know I, I my, my journey's like you just started your journey and you feel like your journey's over because you know a few right. things but what you learn right. as you go on is this rabbit hole really never stops <laughs> and the more the more you it's like the more work you do in this world of, you know, anti-racism or, or whatever you want to call it, uh, you, you go, wow, the problem is worse than I ever thought it was. And the more I read about it and the more conversations I have, the, the worse I realize the problem is and the more complicated and complex it is. And uh, the more work I see that I have to do, you know, within yeah. within myself. So, yeah. 
All right, so I'm going to just read the uh, the internet uh, definition of gentrification uh, from the Google machine, and it Come says, "Come on, Google, Google machine, uh, the process whereby the character of a poor urban area is changed by wealthier people moving in, improving housing, and attracting new businesses, typically displacing current." inhabitants in the process and uh there so so essentially uh gentrification uh, you know that, that that sums it up in a way where where you have a part of town part of the city the urban area that has been economically depressed for a long time and in an economically depressed area the cost of living is going to be lower so it's more affordable to rent houses in that area. Uh, and then uh, multiple ways, but usually orchestrated by the city itself to sort of try to clean up an area of town or in partnership uh, with some large developers, uh, usually large developers that are owned by white people. And <clears throat> uh the the i'm no expert on this and 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 chase you know uh fill in all the gaps that i'm missing but gentrification oh, bro. when you when you see it happening it usually involves big condos on the the main the main strip so the main hmm. the main city street the business street that uh, you'll see large uh brand new condos or apartments that are that are luxury that are that are luxury condos yeah. and and they're meant to attract young white millennials young business people to that area and then underneath the condo uh in the storefront that they build brand new will be sort of these sort i don't know i'm just going to use some words i don't i don't even know what all these words mean so just take them with a grain of salt but sort of hipster uh hipster kind of shops and restaurants and uh i've heard it said before it's uh no i won't i won't even say that it was it might be kind of offensive uh towards but um hey, don't say it don't say it bro no it'd be offensive to, to to a certain style that white people um some white people wear and it's fine it's not it's not a bad style it was just something a black friend of mine said and i was like yeah oh, that makes sense just but 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 so but then what you, what you have is you'll You'll go through this part of town, and you'll see all the shops on the main strip, and they'll literally just be filled with white people, and and, and usually young, yeah. trendy, white people. And then right behind the shops are are all the housing, and the housing is filled predominantly with people of color, and predominantly uh, African American, depending on the part of the city you're in. Yeah, and so. Yeah. Um, what is, and I'll turn this over to you, Chase, uh, fill in what I missed on what gentrification is and, and then tell us what is the problem with, with it? Why, why are people, why are people uh, upset about gentrification? Is, isn't this a good thing to sort of clean, clean up this part of town, so to speak? Quote, unquote. Uh, okay, so <laughs> because we live in a... Um, uh, again, a an incredibly cerebral culture. Um, I feel like we we like to throw around words. I think gentrification is 
Um, it's one of those complex concepts that, as you were just kind of alluding to, there's some beauty in the idea of investing in a part of any city. Um, um, I actually think there's some value in investing in parts of cities where there was not previous, there was not a consistent pattern of previous investment. That matters a whole lot. Um, I think I think ultimately the, 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 the negative side of gentrification isn't the beautification. It isn't the bringing in shops. It's not, the, it's not even the bringing in of white people because I am a person, like I want to live a multi-ethnic life. So I do want my neighbors to be white. I want my neighbors to be black, Hispanic, Asian, Native American, dot, 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 et cetera, et cetera. I think that's a beautiful thing when we can do that all together. I think the challenge of gentrification um, is that as the cost of living in a place increases and there are individuals who have been stakeholders in that community while it was a um, fiscal desert, <laughs> right? While yeah, there was yeah. a drought financially, there were key stakeholders in the community that because we still live within a system where the outcomes are still pretty significantly impacted by race, they're not able to keep up with what's going on financially, thus they can't afford to live there. And so now the key stakeholders in, the, in, the, in these neighborhoods, um, in these urban areas who understand the city, who understand the cultural dynamics, who understand the history are also then removed. Well, then ultimately gentrification turns, it, that's, it becomes less of beautifying and um, investing in a community and it becomes more of a turnover uh, in community so i so i think so that you, you you with me there that makes sense though right oh yeah yeah okay yeah. okay okay so so i think ultimately like when we're talking when i when i think about gentrification i think about um the fact that like gentrification actually isn't just because it doesn't start just because there's a part of a city that isn't um, that's poor or that is run down. Generally speaking, gentrification has its genesis in redlining, right? Yeah. Like it goes way back into a history where there are individual there are parts of a city that literally are forgotten. Um, they are, you know, where blacks and browns are put into these parts of the city. They can't own land. They can't like, you know, actually it's funny. We're like where we are purchasing this uh the church building that we're in we actually close on it friday however in the deed it actually has a paragraph in the deed that says that this land may not be owned by a colored person wow. right like so right and so <laughs> yo bro right so that's that's still a part of many people's deeds it's a part of what it is to redline is not to just say that people can't live in certain places it said they can only live in certain places and they can't own anything while they're there. So, so ultimately, there is this lack of investment um, be, you know, from, from the city, from, there's this lack of investment from the private sector, and the people there themselves don't even have the capacity to develop the equity to de financially develop it themselves. So that's how it gets run down in the first place, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right? And so... So then, you know, 50 years later, when a bunch of woke people, <laughs> right, <Yep>. sleepwalkers, <laughs> they, they see like, hey, 
we should like that part of the city has been, you know, run down for a lot of time for a long time. Let's go in and let's make it better. Well, your grandparents left that part of the city <laughs> um, and abandoned it. And now you're coming back to it to um, and ultimately missing, still neglecting to see the breach that happened 50, 60, 100 years ago. If you, and so I think if we develop parts of the city without understanding the breach, that's when it becomes gentrification. The truth is urban parts of the city that need development, the best way to develop them at is actually investing in the people. Invest in the schools that are there. Invest in the businesses that are already there. You don't actually need to bring more businesses there. Invest in the businesses that are there. Mm -hmm. Like participate with, you know, there, you know, of course, after the, the, um, oh my goodness, what is it? The federal housing act, um, you know, there people are able to, you know, there's no longer racial discrimination that keeps people from being able to purchase homes. But that doesn't mean that we have the long lasting generational wealth that has been passed on from equity to, you know, from generations in the past. So if there is real investment into a community um, that needs to be, you know, be beautified, use that, you know, those funds to invest in the life that's already there. And then from that, you'll actually find that one, it's already been thriving and anything that you bring to it will just illuminate what's already been great about that part of the city. Um, and you can you can still bring in your coffee shops, you Starbucks lovers, <laughs> <laughs> but they may, but as opposed to it being, you know, a bunch of shops that wouldn't have never actually fit in there, you may have a Starbucks next to a barber shop. Um, where you get to experience the beauty of the cultures that have been developed in that desert. Um, so anyway, that's yeah. kind of why that's my take on gentrification. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And you hit on a lot of important ingredients that people when we so so the surface level and I've I've, I've heard this before. Uh, it's a, just a genuine, honest question. I've heard it from, you know, a white person somewhat recently. And they said, you know, it is confusing because you know on one hand you can look at like the before and after pictures of an area but you know pre-gentrification and post and and you you might see these kind of worn down storefronts uh you know abandoned buildings those sorts of things and then afterwards you see you see you see nice you know you see something that's nice and that's and you go well well <clears throat> that that seems like you know that seems like a, a good thing and we we don't take into account and so listeners if you don't know what redlining is it's really yeah. it's really important that you 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 learn what that is it's i mean you can just google it it's it's uh if you read any book nowadays on uh race racism anti-racism there's usually going to be a chapter uh in there about redlining there's a really great video uh it's about it's about 27 minutes i've posted it on my facebook before i'll see if i can find it and put it in the show notes, uh, but it's from a documentary, a PBS documentary, and it just does a really good job explaining uh, redlining. So I'll, I'll try to post that in the show notes. Yeah, um, man. But here's a few stats. So for today, um, 73% of whites own their own home compared to 47% of Latinx. 
uh, or Hispanic, and 42% of blacks. So uh, 73% of whites own their own home, 42% of blacks own their own home. And there's a lot more whites in our culture than blacks, right? Whites, we're the dominant uh, racial grouping, and uh, blacks are one of the smallest racial groupings. So just the number of homes that are owned, uh, right? it's a lot of white people owning homes, and it's not uh, as many. We make up 13% of the United States. Right. Most people don't know that. Blacks yeah. make up 13%, 13% of the United States. And 42% of that 13% own their own homes right. and right. uh and then so so renting t- it plays a big role in this is, is what i'm getting at there's uh i'm not i don't want to give a blanket statement you know if you're a landlord listening and i'm i'm not saying renting is 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 a cardinal sin you know uh, but no I, I will say this that's systematically if if you look at uh, you know i mean one of one of the best ways to gain wealth and, and equity that you can pass on to the next generation that you can use uh, to take out loans, you know, equity loans upon the equity that you have is through home ownership. And uh, many, many blacks, particularly in the inner city and Latinx folks are, are renting. And what happens with gentrification, I was just talking to uh, director of a large community center in the Grand Rapids neighborhood that we are uh, hoping to plant in. And I was asking her about the, the what's going on in, in her neighborhood uh, of the community center with gentrification. And she said, cause it's, it's one of the, it's one of the main gentrified areas of our city right now. And she said, yeah, when she started um, working at the community center about 10 years ago, there was a house across the street that was for sale for $30,000. And it was vacant for years. Uh, somebody came in, tried to flip it. They they didn't finish. They sold it to somebody else who did flip it. And that same house just sold for $175,000. So that's a huge uh, difference huge. In, in home value. If you're the homeowner, you're going, yeah, baby. That's hitting the lottery. That's that's what I'm talking about. That's why I own the home. Well, it's mostly white people that own these homes. It's mostly white landlords that are getting richer off of the increased value of these homes. And then uh, I said, are you seeing are you seeing people that you uh, minister to at your community center having to move out of the neighborhood? And she said, oh, yeah, all the time. She said people's rents are 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 ch- changing from you know oh, yeah. four or five hundred dollars a month rate for some up to sixteen hundred dollars a month and so if you're paying 500 bucks a month in rent and your rent goes up to sixteen hundred dollars automatically and you have no control over that you literally have no way of paying your rent anymore uh, you right. now are forced out of the neighborhood so there's all this right. economic boom that's happening <clears throat> And by and large, it's making it's making affluent white people more affluent, and it's it's displacing populations of color that have lived in this neighborhood uh, for, for for generations uh, in, in this neighborhood, like you said, Chase, where the the roots of the economic deprivation in the neighborhood started with redlining, 
which was legal-based laws, just like the deed that you mentioned, uh, our government created this neighborhood, you know, for for this right. purpose. So, uh, right, <laughs> it's funny, right? Like you talked about how like most uh, gentrification kind of starts off as something that is, you know, as an initiative of the city, right? Uh, so the city kind of started this poor neighborhood and the city is also kicking these poor people out right like it's (laughs) right that's the problem of gentrification it's not beautification it's not business development it's not entrepreneurship it is the fact that 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 really there was powerlessness that started this poor community and there's powerlessness in gentrification too when really we have to do a much better job of sharing power. Um, and, um, and, and that is actually how you really develop a community is to share the power um, that is a part of that community. So, yeah. There's a, I just on Google images, a picture popped up of a Latina woman. She looks like she's in her sixties or seventies and she's holding a sign and it says, <clears throat> it says now that the neighborhood is nice, why do I have to move? And right. I, I remember when we talked uh, a month ago or, or so, you you said something similar. Uh, I can't remember your exact words, but it was about uh, you said it, it, it wasn't, the, you know, it wasn't the beautification. That was the issue. It was that you're not letting us you're not letting people of color uh, stick around. You're not you're not letting us be a part of it. It's like you uh, I can't remember how you said it, but it was this this feeling of you you're you're doing all this and you you don't care you like you don't care that we we aren't getting to be a part of it uh, so <clears throat> sorry excuse me i don't remember what i said either but <laughs> it was beautiful but i can tell you but i can tell you what it feels like right so if we, again we look through history so you have generational abandonment right so you abandoned yeah, my my, you know, you you abandon my great grandparents <laughs> when you you know with white flight, right? You neglected my grandparents and parents in terms of not investing in the communities that you made us have to live in. Yeah, and now you're rejecting me by kicking me out, right? I'm not saying like you know that, right? Like ultimately, that is the that's that is the felt experience of gentrification is abandonment, neglected, and then a fight to, to then culminate in rejection when ultimately it is because of, again, just so I was just, you know, ultimately just kind of repeating what I just said, but it's that it's that continued state of powerlessness. Um, whereas that doesn't have to be what this is. It doesn't like we, 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 I think sometimes feel like what's the alternative, but, there are so many other alternatives. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that. So, uh, yeah. And it doesn't have to be giving people. It doesn't also have to be giving residents checks, right? Like, that's not also what this is, too. It doesn't mean, like, you just come in and use your money to paint their house. There are just other ways in which a a, a neighborhood can be invested in um, that that have very similar impact. Uh, in terms of again the development, but but we then just don't have to navigate abandonment, neglect, and rejection. Yeah, yeah, and I think that 
as you mentioned, you know, the other ways of development, I think when you hear a city or, or especially a developer talk about wanting to develop an area, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I feel like their motivation is not the development of people. Their, their motivation is not the development of, of residents. I think their motivation is profit. I think their, I think their oh, motivation yeah. is we can make a ton of money here and, uh, and we want our, our city to have this sort of cool, hip image. I mean, even Grand Rapids, there's billboards up, you know, cool city. That's the nickname. Cool city, beer city, you know, this. Right. Sort of, say, did, we, did we change our nickname? <laughs> it's, 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 they, they go to get, yeah, I mean, they get like these. And I'm, I moved here from Lansing and like from Lansing, I would come to Grand Rapids and see the billboards. You're seeing how Grand Rapids is marketing itself. And so there's parts yeah. of the city that would be considered blight. It's an eyesore. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go in there and push the people out who are there. And then we're going to replace, you know, we're going to replace them with the stuff, you know, the stuff that we've that we've been uh, we've been talking about and and make it cool so that we can make more money uh, on our city. And, 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 And I think that's a different motivation than we should have as Christians than we should have as churches as pastors who are saying, uh, no, there's systemic sin issues here that caused these inequities, and there's a, a piece of, whether it's reparations or reconciliation, conciliation, uh, you know, there, there there's this piece that we did something really wrong when we built this, and there needs to be a, an intentional, strategic way to right those wrongs and i don't think that necessarily is the framework that a developer is using when they when they go in and and buy up these these blocks i don't i so so this is going to be potentially controversial but we're family so we can we can talk this way <laughs> well yeah we're, uh, we're we're already raising money to replace those folgers k-cups man i mean we're see, we're doing it right <laughs> So, so I think one of I think one of the the real um, uh, patterns of the legacy of Western culture um, is um, it is developed. It is a it is a form of development that actually is not development. It's consumption. Yeah, it is to go into a place in which you have no roots and consume that which is there until you have had your fill and then leave. Right. Yeah, that it. And so and so you set up, you make things comfortable enough in terms of Western culture. Right. This is honestly, again, when you just again, look at even just recent human history, that has been the legacy of the British empires is to go to a place that is not their own. Yeah. Consume, um, set up shop, make it comfortable for you to live there as long as you need to consume what is there. Then once it is no longer of value to you to leave it. Um, however, it is the culture of it is it is the culture of many different um, excuse me, the pattern of many different cultures 
um, indigenous African cultures, indigenous American cultures, indigenous Hispanic cultures, and you know all of those different you know th those different parts of the world where um, where truly like it is what is here. And how is it that we live well within what is here? Yeah. That idea of, you know, right. And so and uh, in many ways, also cultivating what there it's not the same kind of development. And I think that's too what you lose in gentrification is that you miss the opportunity to see how what was there was actually cultivated. What was there was matured. What was there was multiplied because it doesn't look the way in which you desire for it to look right and so when so even when you go back to those idea of the pictures that you were talking about right yeah. you see pictures well when i see pictures of a gentrified part i do not see that it looks good oh, it yeah. looks it looks clean <laughs> right yeah, yeah but 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 clean doesn't always look good right is a there's something missing there where is the life right and so one of the things that i've like like I remember when it was super popular for everything in like all of the like businesses and stuff like that to be gray. Like, right. So we went from it being super popular for everything to be beige in an office <laughs> to everything being gray in an office. Uh -huh. And here's the thing, like in terms of like white culture, that is clean. It's right. It's not like there's nothing there's, it doesn't cause a lot of, you know, it doesn't disturb you as you walk through it. And in many ways, you can ignore it. And I think in some ways, a part of a city sometimes when you when, with gentrification is you want to sometimes be able to ignore what's around you to just be able to get to where you're going so you can consume where you're going. However, the life of many urban places where it has been neglected is to not just ignore what's around you mm -hmm. there's vibrant colors there are murals there like it's the paint on the on, like if you walk through a city that has that like you know an urban city like the paints are bright it's beautiful when yeah. you allow right when you allow you know for that kind of development in a space you can't ignore the building <laughs> you can't ignore the building because it's actually about living well within what's there and i think that difference really does play out a lot when we think about gentrification yeah that's a good point and it, it, it reminds me a, a bit uh of if you think about the globalization now of white western culture and you right. can go many many places in the world and you're gonna find a mcdonald's there right and speaking of starbucks that is a rightful <laughs> uh, a, a rightful Ooh, critique right? a, a rightful critique is you can find a Starbucks there, you know, and these are not culturally indigenous foods and, and drinks. And, and, and often, and so you're like, well, what's the problem with that? What's the problem with that? Well, uh, I mean, the, the local, the local coffee shop, the local market, and you saw this in the right. United States with the, 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 the boom. And this all had to do with white flight as well. You had white flight and then you had the suburbs and everything got bigger. And so right. uh, local stores, home, uh, you know, mom and pop shops, grocery stores, uh, little dime stores, they were they all went out of business because Walmart right. came to town 
And then, right. you know, Meyer came to town and this and then, uh, you know, Home Depot and Lowe's came to town and your little hardware store can't compete with them. And so they're they're all out of business. And there's a lot of a macroeconomics going on there, too, where right. the, own, the owner of the business, let's take Amazon, for example, the owner of the business is making the most money. So Jeff Bezos right. is a bagazillionaire because he owns <laughs> the company. And you think about. How many small, it's like a, a hundred, uh, what is it like? How many billions? Somebody he, needs to Google he, that. He no, makes, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> uh, Jeff Bezos makes more money than the than the Flipside uh, patron Patreon page. I will tell you that he is he is in the oh. lead over over my Patreon page. He makes more than you. Two hundred billion. <laughs> and so you look at that network. and you go. We love this idea of, you know, capitalism in the United States. And if you even critique capitalism, if you even say, you know, maybe there's a couple byproducts of that that aren't good or aren't biblical, that aren't Christian. Here's a Bible verse from Jesus that kind of is a little different than that. You get, you know, called a communist because we we have no we have no framework. We have no framework to even critique like these these super, super deeply ingrained cultural values that we have as right. a white westernized culture. And it is you right. make the most amount of money you can. It's a you know free will market or whatever they call that. I'm not a macroeconomic person at all. But this idea that if you got the money, you build it, you can make the money. And so by all means, put a Starbucks, put a McDonald's in the middle of you know Beijing, China. And if it closes down, the local person's uh shop their tea shop their coffee shop so be it and now that local person is is working for an hourly you know wage uh, uh kind of a, a low income wage instead of being able to be their own business owner and that all ties into this it all ties into right. gentrification uh when you see that after picture chase and you you say, I don't really see beauty in that. In fact, I see a lot of sameness. What I see is a stamp right. of sameness, and it's it's planted in Grand Rapids. It's planted in Chicago. It's planted in Dallas, Texas. It's planted in – you see the sameness – uh, Mexico City, you know, you could go, you could go to any any global city, and you would see sameness, and, and and then you go, and I'll say it, that sameness is attached to white dominated businesses, and and then you kind of go, right. huh? So maybe those people that talk about a word that that really frustrates people sometimes, white supremacy, and that's because we associate it with the KKK and the alt right, right? But just the just when people use that word, they, right. they're not they're not they're not talking about those people necessarily. No, they're, they're talking about this idea that uh, it is okay to take whiteness as the supreme cultural expression it, and just stamp it everywhere. And so yes, now we're now that, we're now we're getting deeper. In, yes, we're getting deeper that's into the supremacy. rabbit hole now. It's like the rabbit right. hole is getting deeper and deeper and darker and darker. Bro, I'm telling you, you 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 just started like three whole episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's that is like those are like three completely different. I mean, I wouldn't say completely different. They're they're absolutely attached subjects, right? You don't have gentrification without hyper capitalism. And I use I say hyper capitalism yeah, not because word. it's a word, right? Like because and and I'm I'm of I'm of the belief that there is no quote unquote right and or wrong economic system. They all have inherent health and inherent unhealth. 
right? And and the extremes are going to hyper, you know, they're gonna they're gonna yeah. make it really easy to see where they're unhealthy, <laughs> right? Yeah, and so the, you know, so um, and so because we have a hyper capitalism here, we we get to ex- we get to see how incredibly challenging it is. Um, uh, for that unhealth to be on display. So anyway, but that's a completely different episode because uh, because that's that's a, that's a that's a topic in and of itself. But without that quote unquote hyper capitalism, you don't actually uh, gentrification um, wouldn't have uh, um, it just wouldn't have the steam that it has because you would be able to have other kinds of conversations, right? You'd be able to have the conversation of well, who are we pushing out? Well, in a place where it's where you know capitalism is a is a demigod, yeah, right. Where in a place where capitalism is a demigod, then the conversation of who it's pushing out doesn't matter because competition is a part of capitalism. So, right. pushing somebody out doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. Right? They lost. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Some somebody somebody wins, somebody loses. Yeah. Well. What happens when the pattern is consistently that one group of people keeps losing? Yeah, dude. Right, and, like and that's we, so. That's why it's all connected, <laughs> dude. So, so, so and I got ah, that's such a good point you made about the competition part, right? Because we we know that's part of capitalism, and it's one thing if you know if you're having a, it's not a, bad. Well, look, it's look, just, it's one thing if, if if you're having a battle and side A has fifty bullets and side. And side B has 50 bullets or if you're, you know, it's a sporting event and one football team has 11 guys and the other football team has 11 guys. But when you right. have a, a, a system, this is why you have to read about redlining. This is why you have to you got to re- read books about about our racial history. And, and you go, whoa. oh, I mean, I'm talking about, uh, you know, you can go to the 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 FHA, the Federal Housing Administration, their their manual that from the 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 1950s and the 1960s uh or or here i, I have it it's um it's, so this started in the 1930s and it it literally in their manual as they as they redline these zones uh it describes a red zone as a zone with an undesirable population or yep. an infiltration of it okay that that's what t- that's what it in, in one spot talks about that, that would have been my grandparents yes Yes, they were the undesirable population. It says, uh, <laughs> uh, unst- and in that, in that, it says unstable incomes, uh, unstable incomes of the people, and difficult collections are usually prevalent. Well, why do you think they have unstable incomes? Because our culture, managerial racism, our culture wouldn't hire them. Uh, that you literally weren't allowed to work in a good job, so you you have an unstable income. Here's another quote from the from the underwriting manual. This is the FHA underwriting manual. This is using what's called restrictive covenants. A restrictive covenant is likely what was on that deed for your church. That a, right. a restrictive covenant did not allow blacks into a neighborhood. So if you had a neighborhood with a restrictive covenant that literally said blacks are not allowed to live here, you got a higher positive rating from the FHA on your zone, and your zone is what allowed you to get loans. That's how you got a 30-year mortgage from the bank because you were in a zone where the bank said, okay, we'll give you a loan. It says in the the manual, uh, restrictive covenant should enforce the, quote, prohibition 
of the occupancy of properties except by the race for which they are intended. Bruh. <laughs> like right listen. in the manual. It's in Bruh. the manual. I'm so, so again, right? So here's the thing. Like we can talk all day about the fact that that ended in the 70s, right? Right, right? Like the equal, you know, I can't remember. Unfortunately, my brain won't let me pull up through that. Like equal and fair housing, right? Yeah. Or, you know, equal opportunity like that. housing. We talk about there that you nowadays. That one. Yeah. that one, right? And and that, and I think that there's value in, in, in saying that that is a good thing. It is an incredibly valuable step forward in terms of racial health in our society, right? But we can't forget in that celebrating that that is good because I'm all about celebrating the fact that we made that step forward in the in the 70s. But we can't forget that what that meant was everyone in this space who's here now who is a person of color had no ability to build generational wealth. Right. This is 50 years ago, right? My parents <laughs> My parents would have been, you know, my, my parents would have been teenagers during this time, which means that they would not have been able to live in a home that their parents owned here. Right. That's what that means. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So and then, of course, then and no generation before that would have been able to either. Right. And so like this is this. So I know that you talked about before that there was not a, you know, like it was one of the best ways to build wealth. Well, there was a time in in you know in America's history where it was the only way yeah. to build wealth, yeah. not just the best. It's the best way, you know. I mean, it's probably not the best way now, right? It was the best way fifty years ago. It was the only way <laughs> two hundred years ago. It yeah. was the only way a hundred years ago. You, I mean, it doesn't matter how much money you have in a bank. That's not building much, right? That's it was the it was the fact that you know be as as people were purchasing land inexpensively and seeing over a generation's time incredible incredible development economically well that land and that property you know it would increase value 200 times in a person's lifetime yeah right that well you come you you intentionally kept people out of that right you intentionally kept people out of that it wasn't a mistake and it wasn't just because you didn't like the way they looked you did not want them to in to to in to enjoy the benefit of the only way to develop economic wealth in this system and so now that there are other ways to you're fine with letting us own land ha! that's a problem right <laughs> all the part all the part of that other episode no. <laughs> well, that we're already there. I, I, we're already, man. We're now. We're this is gentrification and redlining. I love it. This is beautiful. Uh, gentrification, redlining, and you know, plus, right? Plus, like, all plus. of the streaming services have That's a right. plus now. Disney right? Plus. So this is gentrification this is, plus. This is <laughs> gentrification plus. <laughs> no, honestly, I. And this, uh, I, I got a couple more things I want to read. I'm reading this from a document that I made. Uh, that I'm making with uh, uh, there's a, a black lady at our church, uh, my church plant. Yeah, she's done anti-racist uh, workshops. Tr she's been a trainer for decades, twenty years. She and I are are are, are 
are uh, creating this document together, and we're going to have yeah. it on, on our church website to help sort of educate people about this stuff. So that's why it's all kind of fresh in my mind. And a lot of these, uh, we just read a book called City Within a City, which is uh, written about Grand Rapids. It's about our city, uh, and the subtitle is The Black Freedom Struggle in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. So that's where I got some of these stats from. But So let me read a couple more, uh, and then we'll wrap up here in a minute. So it says, in Grand Rapids, the area description forms of the homeowner loan corporation cited A areas, so A would be the best zoned area, as well as, uh, quote, restricted communities. These were communities whose inhabitants were, now listen to the exact wording from the FHA, uh, home, this is the Homeowner Loan Corporation. This is where you're getting your money to buy yeah. your home, to, to get your home. Uh, where, whose inhabitants were, quote, native white, comma, white-collared, with a Z. Check this out. Check this out. <laughs> Sorry. If, if that Sorry. wasn't enough. Wait, what is that... a native white person? Like, I don't even, oh, that's a that whole nother. even make sense. Dude, like, there's a whole. So if you want to go there, there's Supreme <laughs> Court Sorry. cases. No, no, there's Supreme Court. Because, listen, what people don't understand is there was such a legal advantage to being white. I mean, such a yes. financial advantage to being white. You could yes. literally get a home loan on a sweet home just, in one of these A neighborhoods just you're white. That just because you're white. So you had uh, – there's famous Supreme Court cases – there's a Japanese man, and there was also an Armenian man, so from Armenia, the country. And mm-hmm. uh, they during the same time, I don't remember what what uh, you know if it was the nineteen the mid nineteen hundreds or early nineteen hundreds. They uh, independently in different cases sued the or they went to the Supreme Court arguing that yeah. they were white because the Japanese dude's like, look at my skin, it's it's really white. And the, yeah. the Armenian guy said the same thing. They both were denied. Uh, yep. One one of them was denied because the court said scientifically you're not white, even though the guy visibly <laughs> was white. So the other guy's case was no. Here's the scientific proof. I'm white. Look at it scientifically, and they said you're not white enough. Like you don't look white enough. So so oh, anyway, my point man. is people don't realize that there were literally people Different. jockeying legally to be considered white. So what white Yo. was. It was it was a, const- a construct made by white lawmakers. Okay, so let me all right. Let me finish reading this. All right, native white, white collared, with this is all in the homeowner loaner corporation thing, with a zero Negro population. That's how you got to be an A rank community. Zero Negro population, and then it says. Uh, Ottawa Hills, one of our neighborhoods, it was rated an A section and dubbed the best residential area within the city limits because it remained highly restrictive and devoid of Negroes. And it only took uh, a 1% black occupancy for a neighborhood to receive a D rating. So as soon as one black person, family, 1%, Yeah, 1% right? of your neighborhood turns black. Your neighborhood goes from the highest uh, rated neighborhood to get all of these home loans, which is making the, the value of the home skyrocket, to a D rating, boom, which is redlined, and your the value of your homes is plummeting. Uh, there was a, another stat. Uh, homes this in the, oh homes in the, in the in the green zone area today – they gained two hundred and twenty thousand dollars 
in equity. So homes in a green-lined area, $220,000 they gained a profit of just equity versus a home in a red line area. So Chase, your grandparents, if they would have bought a home, some blacks were able to buy homes back then, but it would yeah. have a hundred percent been in a red line, a red line area. So uh, a friend of mine Absolutely. from Detroit, uh, he just told me in a recent conversation, he said, my grandma, who is, he's our age. He said, my grandma bought a house for $10,000 back in the, in the fifties. She just sold it today in 2021 for $15,000. So her home gained $5,000 in equity in right. 70 years. If that home right. was in a green-lined area, the stats say it would have yes. gained $220,000. So anyway, all this back to your point about so. competition, and you go, okay, it is competition in capitalism, but it's not an even playing field. One of the football teams all. has 11 not players. The other football team has three players. Which football team do you think has the advantage when it goes to setting up business on the strip of your city, et cetera? Right. That's it. I'm done. So, so yes. Uh, and so, uh, so the challenge of gentrification back to that isn't the fact that you made the area look good the challenge of gentrification is all of that history all of that that um oppression all of that uh discrimination all of that neglect all of that abandonment um if you don't acknowledge that breach when you come back to what you left or what you did, what you deemed un, or, you know, devalued, what you deemed unworthy before, and said that, you know, well, we'll just give you these scraps. Once you come back and say you want to, like, you know, and I say you come back as in, uh, as in a people group and as a city, saying that this is important now. What, like, we want it now, right? We want it now. Um, you want it but still want nothing to do with me. There it is. There right? It is. You Say want again. it. You want it, but you still want nothing to do with me because now you can't legally put on a piece of paper that I'm not welcome here, but you can change the prices that make it so that I'm not, I can't be here anymore because of all the other issues that are connected to the outcomes connected to race. I can't afford it anymore. Right. And so that's the real problem of gentrification is it says it can it can it consistently communicates you are not valuable. You are not valuable. Um, and, it, and so and, and that's that's why you need an hour plus conversation to talk about it. <laughs> you can't just talk about you can't just you know, you can't talk about gentrification in 15 minutes. Yeah. It's such oh, a dude. big conversation. Yeah. Well, let me we'll we'll start to wrap this up uh, for today's episode, and and I, and I will kind of my closing thoughts will be, you know, most of my audience is white, most of my listeners are white, and and, and I and I have close friends and family, you know, listening, and I I I always think we have to approach these topics as Christians. For me, as I talk about it, yeah. I want you, I want listeners to know I don't talk about this stuff with with that sort of that that snooty wokeness that you see a lot of times today, which which to me goes along with cancel culture, this idea that 
you know, if you're not, if if you're not with us, you're against us. You know, if you're, yeah. and, you know, and we, I think as Christians, we, we, we have to, uh, we, we're filled with the fruits of the spirit and just know listeners, particularly if you're white, uh, Chase and I talk about these things, for, you know, from a point of passion because we believe it's biblical. We be, we believe that God yeah. cares about justice and He cares about absolutely the oppressed and the marginalized. But but there are there are wide on ramps. I, I I want listeners to know that I welcome you into a learning community. So so this is just about it's about learning. It's it's about humility. It's about going, okay, there's a history here that I really wasn't taught. I didn't really know about. And whether you're, you're 20 years old listening or you're 70 years old listening or you're, you're anywhere uh, in between, I just, I just want to give you grace to be where you are. To be where you are, I give you grace. Oh, cause absolutely. Because I, I know yeah. that you just didn't learn this stuff. In school, I didn't learn I this didn't stuff. I didn't learn this stuff. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> No, <laughs> but, but, but a lot of a lot of people of color live this, and so they, yeah. you know, have, have lived it and seen it. Whereas, uh, I talked to I talked to a guy just just uh, Sunday, and um, he's interested in our church and our church launch team, and you know, he was yeah. I thought it was really insightful. He said, "I grew up in a small town, a small country town. Everybody was white, and uh, I never knew inequality was a problem because." I looked around my town right. and everybody, everything was equal. And he said, then I moved to Grand Rapids. I moved to Grand Rapids for college. And it was the first time I saw inequity. And it struck me how color-based it was. And, and, and then I realized, oh, there's something else going on here. And so I just, I just share that to say, um, we, I welcome your feedback. Feel free to email the show, podcast at beyondthebattle.net. If there's things you want to learn more about, uh, and talk more about, but I do, I do as a pastor and as someone who loves you, I, 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 I invite you to have an open heart and an open mind, and I invite you to go down the rabbit hole. Honestly, to me, you know, if I'm a Matrix nerd, uh, the movie, particularly the first, the first movie, and for, this is like unplugging from the Matrix. It's, it's, and I know not everybody follows that that metaphor, and that's okay. But it's it's like going, oh, this construct that was built for me isn't actually what's real. What's real are, are these laws, these things that we're talking about. What's real is the experience that people of color have had in our cities. And uh, Jesus cares. <laughs> I mean, you know, God cares about this stuff. And so uh, there's a wave. There's a, a wave. God is moving. He's moving in our culture. He's moving in the church. And I want to ride that wave. And, and I just would invite uh, my listeners as well um, to get their surfboard out. And it's a little scary. It's a lot scary. Uh, and, and to ride that wave as well. And, um, we'll, and, and we'll, we'll keep going. Let's just keep taking another step. And uh, I'd love to see you know where it goes from here. So those are my final thoughts. What about you, Chase? Yeah, I think I'm in line with your final thoughts you know, for those who don't follow the matrix thing <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, I think our natural reaction when we are presented with a reality that is not our own is to reject it. 
that is our natural response is to is to say, oh, that can't be real because that's not what I know to be real. Um, unless someone explicitly says it's fantasy, right? Someone says explicitly tells you this is fantasy. Well, then we embrace it for the fun of it. But I think to be real people, to be real, um, to be fully human, um, we have to embrace the fact that there are multiple perspectives to a shared reality. There you go. Uh, right? And so there's only one reality, but our perspective tends to be our personal reality. It is when we allow our reality, our perspectives to, where we find the connective tissue between our perspective and another person's perspective and another person's perspective that we begin to see reality in all of its beautiful facets. It becomes 3D as opposed to TD, or excuse mm-hmm. me, 2D, right? And I think, so, so, so the beauty of these kinds of conversations, especially as we, because we're newer to them, isn't that I'm gonna lose myself, right? Like that's not, that's not the danger here. Um, the, the beauty is I get to, I, I can maintain the, the perspective that, um, that I've been blessed with while allowing myself to actually, my, you know, my reality to be broadened. Um, and it doesn't mean that what I've lived is quote unquote a lie. It simply means that it's a, it is a shallow version of a deeper truth mm. and and the more I know and the more I allow myself to be vulnerable and the more humble I come to these kinds of things, the better off I am long term for it and the better I'm able to love my neighbor as a result. Right. So boom. that's my final thought. Boom. Boom. All right. So I apologize. My producer got the sound effect going a little early. Uh, this 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 alarm chase is uh it's a warning it's a warning to listeners that if if they tuned in to learn things if if they are mature listeners if they are well-rounded people if they care about spiritual growth and 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 all of the richness that we discussed this is the time of the episode for them to turn off the podcast so this is a a warning this is the Everything from this point on, everything, Noah's rant is coming. And everything from this point on oh my is gosh. complete and utter stupidity, really. It's so I'm also, look, look, am I supposed to stay on this so in my first episode? I, yeah, I, I've, thought, I've thought about this. I prayed about it. I fasted for a long time. Like in between, oh my in between my break, in between my breakfast and my snack, I, I fasted uh-huh. about this. Yes, yes. And um, the, the Lord really spoke to me that said, "You cannot be on this call while I do Noah's rant because I Noah's rant is like a cage. It's the octagon. I go into the cage. Uh, I become uh, a, a different person. I become an animal, oh and I just gosh. don't. I don't want you to get hurt." I love you. Okay. I care about well, you. Well, good. I don't want you well, to get good, hurt. Because, look, I don't know that I want to see that side of you yet. I know, I, yeah, I know we we've gotten to know each other really yeah. well, but yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not ready for I, that yet. I don't I want another, you to see that side of me. I don't. I don't want anybody to see that side. We might I have mean, to go. We might have to like go camping first before <laughs> I can see that side. <laughs> black, black people do not like camping. I will say that. Hey, will, you know what? Most hey. of us don't. But uh, there's a good few of us that do. But we most can of start us a new don't. trend. When I say camping. When I say camping, I mean like, you know, 
like basically at a hotel like a hotel right yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> like we have to, basically room we service. have to go to a conference we got to go to a conference together exactly and we have to i knew what you meant i i was able to do <laughs> that's that that's what i mean by camping i could that's do what that I mean by camping. the co- that code switching <laughs> we talked about i could do that <laughs> but i yeah, gotta translate i'm trans i'm translating for hotel. my for my audience here so um <laughs> I, I don't want anybody to see me in the Noah's rant cage. You know, it really it really is. Uh, oh, we'll talk about this next time. But you, we didn't even talk about uh, your, your your record company and, and what you're doing with with music. And oh everything. yeah. So so it, yeah, I we think, talk about that. I think it would be like that if you are recording a song. Uh, you you don't necessarily want me in the room. I mean, no. There's something intimate about that. Well, that's that's me and Noah's rant. There's just. It's my song. It's okay. my song. It's, it's your song. It is a all right. A well, harsh, sing on, brother. It is a harsh, painful song, but it is my song that the Lord has given me. Yeah. So hey, without and today, and today that rant is about. You said it earlier. You, it wasn't Folgers. Leading in. Normally, I don't give a lead in, but, but oh, okay, okay, okay. No, 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 no. no. All right, you do what you normally well, do. I'm gonna get off. We're and gonna I, we're gonna we're to gonna leave later. that as a teaser for oh my gosh the one and only and before I before I intro Chase will be back so Chase Yoo-hoo. thank you so much for for being with us today again yeah. our studio audience is just in love with you uh, they are they are just going wild for for you and oh, and, and, and being you. with us today so so and, this and, was and fun I forgot to mention. Uh, earlier, but uh, listeners, if they want to support the podcast financially, they can do that at patreon.com slash Noah Philippiak. And here's the thing. If I yep. ever make enough on Patreon, so so if I ever make more than I spend on this podcast, so, so right now I, I spend more than I make on the podcast, but if I ever make more than I spend, I can definitely see a world where my co-host uh, will get a cut of that of that Patreon hey. uh, uh, honorarium bonus. And so, Come listeners, on, flip side, flip side. All right, let's, flip side. Let's step up. Let's represent uh, for for hey, Chase. Flip a pot of my. Flip a pot of my. Patreon.com slash Noah Flip And that is how you get yourself a Flip Eponymous mug, by the way. I forgot to mention that earlier. We have a, ah. a whole lineup of swag to choose from as a reward, as a bonus. And Chase, I will hook you up with a Flip Eponymous mug uh, today. I will ship it to you because I love you and I want you to have one uh, for, for next time. <laughs> Even you. if you just have water. Uh, in it, it will be. Uh, it'll, it'll be tea. Be, I like herbal tea. Herbal tea is in good. the morning. Herbal tea is mm-hmm. good. So, without yes. further ado, you've been warned. Turn the podcast off now. Do not send me your emails that you hate Noah's rant because I told you to stop listening now. It is time for the one, the only Noah's rant. <laughs> Noah's rant. All right, flip upon a my. It is time to make the world a better place. As I mentioned in the show intro, today we are talking about one of the greatest atrocities in our culture. I know as Chase and I were talking about gentrification and redlining and 
racial injustice, you as a listener were thinking, yeah, but when are you going to talk about the worst travails of our society? When are you finally going to get to talking about Capri Sun juice boxes? Let's be honest. A Capri Sun juice box, first of all, isn't even a box. What do you call that thing? What do you call that Capri Sun juice pouch? Hey, mom and dad, could I have a juice pouch? A what? what? Who taught you that? What are they teaching you in school? A juice pouch? Look, Capri Sun. Look, let me let me let me let me let me just talk to you, Flipside audience, for a moment. I am a dad. I am a dad of three daughters. My children's ages are four, eight, and nine, almost ten. Two of my daughters play soccer. Two of my daughters just finished up playing softball. One of, no, I would go as far as to say the highlight of playing softball or soccer is the snack that you receive at the end of your game. In fact, my four-year-old just started playing soccer this fall. So cute, so adorable. At age four, they do not have games. But don't tell her that because we go to her soccer game every Tuesday night, according to her. And soccer game is her and her nine little friends on her team all on the same team, and they do some drills uh, with the coach. And I think by the end of the year, they're going to scrimmage each other three on three, which will be awesome. But it is her game. And let me tell you what, they start them out right in this league. They get a snack after every quote-unquote game, which is really a glorified gym class uh, with her own team. And she loves getting that snack because her sisters get a snack at the end of their soccer or softball game. When it is our turn as parents to buy said snack, we include a Capri Sun as the beverage in those snack bags. So let's start. I So, so in essence to say, I have bought many Capri Sun. I am a Capri Sun expert. I could buy stock in Capri Sun with the amount of Capri Sun I have bought for softball and soccer teams. Now, here on the flip side, we love nature. We love the earth. We love God's creation. We love recycling. The flip side tells you, flip upon am I, do not litter. And this is where we begin with a Capri Sun pouch. First and foremost, there is a straw attached to every Capri Sun pouch. The straw is covered with a very thin, very see-through piece of plastic. You begin your episode in looking like a fool by trying to get the straw out of the plastic. You cannot get the straw out of the plastic. And then you realize, oh, look, some genius engineer crafted the straw on one end in the shape of a knife. 
in the shape of a shim that somebody would make in jail to stab another prisoner. Beautiful idea. Let's use the sharp edge of the straw to open from the said thin plastic wrapper. Now, sometimes the plastic wrapper sticks onto the pouch. Most of the time, it does not. And where does the wrapper go? You certainly don't hang on to it. It blows away in the wind. It is see-through and invisible. And if you trusted your five or eight or nine-year-old to open it, you can guarantee that that wrapper is now firmly embedded in the grass somewhere where no one will ever find it except for a cute baby bunny who will hop along and eat the plastic and die. Thank you, Capri Sun, for killing baby bunnies. I want to know how many million straw wrappers from Capri Sun are littering our beautiful earth today only to be devoured by cute baby bunnies in the near future, bringing them to their utter death and ruin. Once you have successfully removed the sharp bludgeon stick from the wrapper that is killing the earth, you now have to figure out how do I get said straw into said pouch? The episode in Looking Like a Fool continues. You poke the little foil what should be a hole. You cannot get the straw into the aluminum foil hole. The sharp end, you think, oh, perfect. This is perfect to poke a hole in Capri Sun so my child may consume said beverage. But you cannot figure out the angle to put the straw into the pouch. So you poke and you poke and you poke to no avail. Now, you've had a little too much angry brew to drink. You're a little bit jumpy. You start to get a little bit angry. No judgment here. In your anger, you say, I am going to get this straw into this pouch so my child can consume this juice beverage. So, you take the sharp-ended stick the shim, the bludgeon, the murder weapon, and you force it as hard as you can into that hole, and what happens? It goes through the hole and out the other end of the pouch. Now you have two holes. Congratulations. If you somehow were successful in managing to get the straw into the solitary hole where it is designed to go, now you give the said juice pouch to your child, your four-year-old child, which, as soon as he or she put their cute little adorable hands on the juice, what do they do but grab a hold of the pouch? As soon as you grab a hold of a Capri Sun pouch, the Capri Sun shoots like a volcanic eruption up the straw and onto your face. Exactly as the Capri Sun engineers designed it to happen. So, here's the deal, Capri Sun. Change your product wrapping. We are here to make 
the world a better place. Don't even get me started while I'm at it on Go-Gurt's. Go-Gurt. Who eats Go-Gurt? Children eat Go-Gurt. A Go-Gurt is a tube of yogurt. It is a tube of yogurt for children. So you would think that a tube of yogurt for children would be easy to open. But no, of course not, because they are designed by the same people that design Capri Sun, who are demented sociopaths who love the suffering of humanity. So a Go-Gurt has a little easy-to-open slit at the top. It even says on the package, hey, easy-to-open slit. I don't think it uses the word slit. I'm not even sure that that's a word. But you get the idea, and you say, wonderful, easy-to-open. You give it to your child. They either cannot open it, and they hand it to you, or as soon as they open it, the yogurt spews forth from the spout like the old faithful geyser at Yellowstone National Park. I, I think that's I think that's where it is. Nothing I say during Noah's rant can uh, be used against me as true. So you peel off the top of the yogurt for your child. You now get gogurt spewing all over you, and the top of the gogurt does not come off. So it opens up like a hinge, and there is no way to actually pull the rest of it off without getting gogurt all over you. So you go and you get scissors and you cut the rest of it off and now you have gogurt on your scissors. The world flip upon a mind. It's a it's a dark place. It's a dark place filled with sociopaths like those that design the gogurt container and the Capri Sun pouch. But never fear. Noah's rant is here to make the world a better place. Noah's rant is your superhero, is your knight in shining armor coming in knowing that the the CEO of the Gogurt company and and the Capri Sun company are listening, they are big listeners, and now they know to change the 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 design of their product so that a human being is is able to open and consume and enjoy a portable yogurt or juice beverage without having to bathe or shower in said portable yogurt or juice beverage and with that we conclude episode 55 of the Flipside Podcast. We thank you so much for listening. I told you not to listen to Noah's rant. I told you it wouldn't be any good, but you wouldn't listen. You had to defy me and listen to it anyway. Don't blame me. Blame yourself. I look forward to next episode. Chase will be with us again. Email the show if you have any questions. I will see you next time on The Flip Side. The Flip Side with Noah Filipiak is a South Francis Press production. Copyright Noah Filipiak, www.noahfilipiak.com. Theme music by Kyle Lake at K Lake Music. Used with permission. Please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. Hoping they check in my 
in the reverence, stressing for leverage. That they see the king's tracks on the pavement leading to heaven. Yow, yow, dripping in that gall, they don't perish. People selling fake, see the green around their belly. Taking refuge in his hand, see his poems, my living quarters. Close them when I'm finished, it's time to bring me closer. That's no purgatory, cause you're in or you're out. When you see him in the clouds, then you know it's going down. Raise them, raise them, raise them. They've been sleeping for some ages. Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred. Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list. Money probably long, but short is with your days. Have you ever heard the sound of freedom? Then I hope you see him clearly Raise him, raise him, raise him They've been sleeping for some ages Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list Money probably long, but sure it's with your daisy I need that freedom 